0: Welcome to Wine Talk for today, Wednesday, December 1st, 2010. It's 7 p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. I'll take your calls anytime during the show at one six four six three eight one four eight six zero, 381 4860 or email me your questions to at Stu, excuse me, info at com. You can also go into my chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts or tweet me any questions you like to at StuTheWineGuru on Twitter and I'll read them live on the show. I want to say thanks to all the listeners out there for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you li- In the movie, just Google Stew the Wine Guru. You can find the websites, videos, articles, TV shows I am currently a part of. Speaking of articles and reviews, I am writing wine articles and reviews for Yahoo and the Examiner. so look for those as well. I've also made a Wine 101 video series that can be viewed on YouTube, my website, and just about anywhere else on the Internet. In fact, my latest is on wines of South Africa. And I highlight the Sauvignon Blanc of a fantastic new vintner, Seven Springs, from Hermanist West Cape Town area. So check that out. It's a great new Sauvignon Blanc. Hey, hey this is Sly Stallone. You're listening to Stu the Wine Guru on Blacktalkradio.com. When I'm out making action pictures, I'm listening too. Right now... I'm sipping on a nice Tusker Red. No actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Only celebrity impersonators. Hey, hi, this is uh, John Ratzenberger. When I'm not doing voiceovers for movies or doing commercials, I'm listening to Stu the Wine Guru. I suggest you do the same. No actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Only celebrity impersonators. I have wanted to have my guest on tonight from the first radio broadcast I did over a year ago. This is one of the top New Zealand winemakers that exist. They're Sauvignon Blanc, world-renowned for great taste as well as being extremely affordable. The name of this great wine company is Crawford. My guest is Anthony Walkenhorst who is the chief winemaker for them and he'll be with us shortly. Of course, the number to call in is one six four six three eight one four eight six zero or if you're shy and you prefer the computer, email me your questions for both Anthony and I to info at stew dot com or tweet me your questions to at StewTheWine Guru on Twitter and I'll read them live here on the show. Make sure that Anthony gets an answer for you. As always I've opened up a chat room for the listeners to go into and chat. You can also ask questions of Anthony or myself Hello everyone, this is Doctor Ever. Okay, I know I haven't been in a movie in a while. I got it. It's okay, I've embraced it. But when I'm not being either, I'm listening to Stu the wine guru. Scott, you'll get your turn, okay? <laughs> <laughs> No actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Just celebrity impersonators. Yeah, hi, this is Tony Danza. You listen to Stu the Wine Guru. He's not bad. I listen to him every once in a while. You know, drink a Tuscan Red, try to take down the edge. Pretty good. I like him. Not bad. I, I can talk to... Directly to my listeners and my guests, I'm enjoying the immediacy of the medium and I like the ability to give updates in real time and my guests, they're doing the same to promote the show, so thanks to Twitter and social media. Some show notes, my next TV appearance will air in January. I'll be a guest on the Emmy Award winning PBS show, Check Please South Florida. I'll be kicking off its fifth season, so look for that. I've also been asked to be a guest on the hit CNBC World Show Wine Portfolio with host Jody Ness. They're taking on the Miami wine and food scene, and I'll be showing them where to go. We'll be discussing my wine radio show and the wine industry. Uh, Taping started and finished last weekend, and the show will air in January. So you'll check your local listings for that, and I am completely psyched for this show to come out. It was a fantastic shoot. It was an enjoyable experience, and I think you guys will really appreciate it. There'll be more TV appearances coming up, and I'll let you know via this radio show and Twitter as they happen. Also, I'll be narrating a professional uh, digital video for multiple Napa video and Valley wineries. I will let you know when that is complete. For all of you wanting to know what events, I'll be attending so you can meet up with me like my tweeples do. January 27th through the 30th, I'll be a media sponsor covering the second annual Key West Food and Wine Festival. Come down, eat some great food, drink some great wine, and be sure to come over and say hi to me. February 23rd through the 27th, I'll be covering the 10th annual Food Network South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Can you believe it's already been a decade? Wow. You have to check this event out. It's amazing. All the cool chefs and the who's who of the wine industry are there, hey, and including me, so come say hi. March 18th through the 20th, I'll be reporting on Boca Bacanal event. Lots of good stuff happening in the first few months of the year down here in Florida. So, this is just the schedule so far. Of course, keep listening here and I'll keep you posted. Since I'm a media sponsor for Key West Food and Wine Festival, I've worked out a great deal for my listeners. You can now purchase tickets and receive a 20% discount. All you have to do is use the code STWG during the checkout process. Keep listening and following me on Twitter for more information. Remember, if you have questions, I have answers, so call me at one 381 or email me at info at com or get into the chat room and voice your opinion. Let me make sure everyone listening knows Anthony's website and can go there for more information about his great wines. To learn more about Anthony, go to www.kimcrawfordwines.com and find out where you can buy his wines locally in your town or buy them directly from Kim Crawford Wines. That's the beauty of the Internet. You can sip some wine while you buy some wine. So, without further wait, let's bring on my guest for the evening, Anthony Walken Horse of Kim Crawford Wines. Anthony, welcome. Hi, oh, thank you. You there? Yep. Can you hear me? Uh now I can hear you. Yeah, no problem. No worries. So I want to first say I want to first say thank you for coming on the show and uh, talking about. Your great wines and the and the vineyard and the company. Uh it's it's a real, true honor. Thanks so much.
1: Oh Doris, no thanks for having me on. Excellent. So just if
0: you know the way the show kinda of works, I've got people in uh a chat room here, so they interact with us and they'll ask questions. I have tweeted questions. email questions that come through live as well and some that have already been emailed to me. So between that and my own questions for you, uh we're gonna be busy. <laughs> I'm
1: okay. gonna keep you busy. Yeah, looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so let me just start off, I guess I have my questions for you. So tell my listeners what excites you about winemaking?
1: Uh well uh it's just the very varia- variation of it I suppose. It's such a um such a very job there's always something to do, uh, whether it's, you know, being in the vineyard, tasting grapes, working out when the right time to harvest is. Uh, then once, you know, the grapes get into the into the winery, um, you know, try to make them into the best wine possible. And then it's also just seeing the appreciation of everyone when you get it into the bottle as well. It's just a, a great feeling.
0: Absolutely. I have to tell you, I've got a great feeling when I drink it.
1: <laughs> Me too. Um. <laughs>
0: So I've got I've got Ann 24 from the chat room uh and she wants to know favorite wine.
1: My favorite wine um yeah. I don't I don't really have one actually. I I vary it quite a lot. Um I yeah, really enjoy drinking sauvignon blanc from all over the world. Right. Um just to just to see the differences I suppose in that variety. It's our obviously it's our Core variety that we do in New Zealand, so it's pretty important that we we um, you know look to see what other people in the world are are doing with it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, I guess being Australian as well, I quite like the uh, Shiraz or Syrah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and out of
0: curiosity, just on that on that question and on that uh, that answer, uh, are you finding exciting that you find make. Sauvignon Blanc well or that you think, you know, are contenders because I have to say you guys pretty much cornered the market on Sauvignon Blanc. Hands down. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um I guess it's it's pretty hard to emulate the New Zealand style. It's such a a big fruity um and pungent variety here. Um but you know, there are other regions that are doing the making making their own Sauvignon Blancs well. Um I guess, you know, Chile is is putting out some, some nice wines. Um, and then also, obviously, in the States as well, there's some, some quite nice Sauvignon Blancs as well, around as well. Right. So I know you recently joined Kim
0: Crawford as their winemaker. Why don't you tell my listeners where you got your start in the winemaking business?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I haven't, I haven't actually recently. I've been been working for Kim Crawford for 6 years now um but I was recently promoted into the chief winemaker role so right. so I've, yeah I've I've been around this winery for, for quite a while now but um before that I, I started out I was I grew up in Australia in just out of the Yarra uh, Valley in Melbourne and um and did some ended up doing some work experience in in the wineries over there and and that's where I fell in love with winemaking I suppose um, and
0: You worked in the Yarra Valley, right?
1: Yes, yep, yep. Uh, and then sort of through a few contacts there, they put me on to, you know, sort of mentor, mentored me, I suppose, into what I should be doing with my career, and I went over to Adelaide Uni to do the, um, which is formerly the Roseworthy course. Right. And did the winemaking course over there, and then ended up uh, working in the Barossa for a little bit. Then Great Place. Um by the way. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then um as most I guess Australians and Kiwis do these days, uh travelled around as much as possible in the coming years to to just get as much experience as I could. So I worked in um in California in sort of northern Sonoma and then ended up back in the Yarrow Valley for a couple of years and then over in Canada for for a little bit as well. You really got around? yeah yeah i did that's a great it's a great way to you know see the world and um and also see the see the wines that are being produced around the world
0: bounce around a little bit here um I have some tweeted questions for you as well, so let me just grab a tweeted question here. This is from Rod Phillips from Victoria, B.C., Canada, and he tweeted, if the New Zealand wine industry were a word, what would it be? Oh, <laughs> um, By the I'd way, have to just this. Let, me, let me just preface this by saying that <laughs> a lot of people tweeted in from all around the world and gave different words like intense, flavorful uh i'm i'm just looking at a variety of different words uh, uh affordable uh great tasting these people actually do this from this one question that someone actually rod,
1: rod Phillips actually had uh, had uh, given so you uh, have a word that you think wife would be uh well probably my word would be vibrant i guess um i go. think you know the wine's really just jump out of the glass and and it's all about trying to keep that real vibrant fruit Character that we we do so well here in New Zealand, so and yeah?
0: <laughs> And by the way, that's a great question too. I want to thank Rod Phillips. He actually has a couple another question too to follow up, but um, from Victoria, BC. Uh, his other question is, what is it about Kim Crawford wines that justifies the price? Now, mind you, uh, the caveat here is, is he is in, I guess, British Columbia. Can got the, the different taxes and so forth. So I think it might make it a little bit higher. Uh, than everywhere else in in the world, and maybe in, in yeah, the U.S. Because in the U.S. it's not not the case. It's actually you know value priced, if you will.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I guess the quality. You know, we don't we don't compromise on quality with the with the grapes that go into it, and we are really sort of picking out the the best of what we make um, to go into into that wine. So I guess you know the, the taste, taste of it is is what justifies it. Yeah, and hopefully people think that.
0: <laughs> I I definitely can tell you that um you know, in comparison and having worked in, in you know in the industry and having other and then and quality wise and then, you know certainly. I'll give you an example. I know that the, the price point is roughly $13 in the states, between $13 and $14, sometimes less, depending where you go. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you can't get that kind of quality. You know, there are others that are, um, you know, are good, but you know, you're looking at spending 20, on average $20, or $25 for, you know, a top end, if you will, uh, Sauvignon Blanc. And yeah. um, in my eyes. You know, they, they you know they really don't uh, they don't come as close to what you offer. So you know, just my just one man's opinion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's <was> good. <laughs> so we have uh, another tweet, uh, and these are coming in here. Andrea Wine from Napa Valley has tweeted: uh, "Is Marlborough Pinot Noir as good as or better than the vaunted Central Otago?" And then she also says: uh, "Are there any anti- New
1: Zealand wines we should
0: we should cellar?"
1: Uh well on the first question that's a good question. Um there is quite different styles between the Marlborough Pinot and the the Central. The Marlborough is very sort of um the sort of more of the lighter red berry fruits I guess, sort of right. um bit of raspberry and sort of the light plum characters whereas Central generally produce sort of more of the deeper darker pinots. That you see on the market, so it it really is a a, a preference thing, um, you know. Both both regions produce some great wine, and it's and it's really just sort of what style you prefer.
0: Right. So um, Dick, and then,
1: Victor, oh sorry, oh sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm, I'm... Oh, no, I was just going to continue on with the the cellaring question. Um oh, yes, I guess most of the most of New Zealand wines are are made to drink fairly young. Yeah. So Sauvignon Blanc, you know, primarily, you know, within the first 1 to 2 years. Although there are some quite interesting wines if you if you do leave them for um, you know, 4 or 5 years, they do develop some nice interesting characters. Not everyone's cup of mm-hmm. tea, but they um they are quite quite interesting. So probably if you are looking at some New Zealand wines to sell, I'd probably look for the um, probably heading more towards the Hawkes Bay region on the North right. Island, and um, they've some of their Bordeaux reds, um, and there's a few sort of Chardonnays as well on the, from the North Island that that could do with a bit of celerine as well.
0: Sure. Well, there you go. I, I appreciate the the uh, question, Andrea Wine from Napa Valley. Thanks, and uh, great answer too. Um, the, uh, so from Dick Baker from North Carolina, he tweeted, what makes the Marlboro Sauvignon Blanc grape so infamous and challenging for him and challenging for you as a winemaker? I guess that was the question.
1: Uh, well, challenging, I suppose it's probably the hardest part of it is to try and um, harvest at the exactly the right time to it. Uh, just achieve the optimal flavour, and then once it gets into our winery, trying to not not play with it too much to to dull those flavours. A lot of the right. a lot of the characters that are present in the uh, or a lot of sorry the chemical compounds I suppose that are present in in the grape aren't actually uh, you can't taste them until after fermentation. Uh, they sort of have released... the yeast, release a lot of the the flavour compounds. So, what we try and do at our winery is keep things as separate as possible all the way through, through to the finished finished product, pretty much. Um, and then once we've once we've got everything into wine, then we'll go through and, and rank rank them quality wise, and put them into our different blends depending on on that. So, um, I guess trying to trying to retain as much fruit character as we can throughout the whole process. We don't really want to dull anything down when we get it into the winery is probably the biggest challenge. Right. And then and then
0: by the way, Dick follows up with um that uh it and he, and he uses the word adamant. So, but I mean I don't, you know, I'm I'm sure it's just loosely used, but he says he is adamant in health. Uh elaborate on pluses of that versus ma- manipulation during fermentation.
1: Sorry, can you just repeat that question? Elaboration. Okay,
0: so I guess what you're saying is, is Anthony, that you're adamant about vine balance and health. Elaborate on the pluses of that versus manipulation during fermentation. Okay,
1: yep. Uh, well, we aim, I suppose, in the vineyard to re- to keep a pretty healthy healthy vine growing right through the season. We don't want to have any of the sort of stressed uh, vines that that you can see and because uh, a lot of times we've found over the years that a lot of those or wines produced from stressed vines don't really produce real clean fresh fresh fruit fla- fruit flavors right so that's probably the I guess the aim in the in the vineyard is to achieve that and then yeah in the winery fairly simple sort of winemaking just to 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 retain that fruit character we play around with different yeasts and um that sort of thing but but really the idea is to sort of capture what was in the in the wine or in the vineyard and put that into the bottle
0: Kind of cut out there for a second. Sorry about that. Um, oh, sorry. No problem. So, uh, grape juice one from Northern California tweeted, "I love Kim Crawford. If you could never drink Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand again, what would you replace it with?" <laughs> love these
1: questions. You never,
0: that's it. That's it, Anthony. No more
1: Sauvignon Blanc for you. <laughs> I would be out of a job then, wouldn't I? <laughs> Um, so, well, it's a hard question I mean, so I'd, I'd probably go with something like um, I don't know, I guess you can't go too far too far past champagne, really. that'd be quite a nice, nice one to have all the time,
0: <laughs> uh, most definitely, most definitely yeah. um. I agree. I, and I think I was going to say you might want to go Pinot Noir uh, because then you have the option if you're making it. In other words, if you say, okay, I only have one grape varietal, um, you can make champagne out of Pinot Noir. You can, you, know, you, can make it, uh, you can make anything out of it, really.
1: Yeah, that's true. You know? Very true. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Savia,
0: Savia Wine from Toronto, Canada tweeted, is Kim Crawford studying ways to reduce carbon footprint of shipping bottled wine from New Zealand? Good question. Thank you, Samuel. Yeah,
1: very good question. Um, at the moment, we're we're part of the um, Sustainable Wine Growers, which is basically the uh, body in New Zealand where all vineyards and wineries um, need to be that that want to export their wine uh, have to be certified sustainable by 2012. So that's something that the industry as a whole in New Zealand is got together and um, is working on achieving, and I think pretty much, um, I think it's about 90, 90% or something like that of vineyards and wineries are sustainable um, for this harvest. So there's that. Um, we have been looking at um, bottling in market and and that sort of thing, shipping bulk wine over to to the marketplace where we're going to um where the wine's going to be sold and it's i guess it's a bit of a work in progress really we're sort of there are some uh technical issues i suppose that go go with that you do, right. do lose control i guess of your of your wine uh at a fairly crucial time you know putting it into the bottle so oh sure so i think once we once we get those things sorted out that it's it's is a possibility that we might be doing that. Um, I'm not too sure of the figures on how much that would actually reduce our carbon footprint, though. Um, but it's, you know, it definitely sounds like it would.
0: You know, yeah, I mean, just yeah. just
1: in in the way you're
0: you're handling that and you're going about yeah. it. Yeah. So I have some email questions actually that are coming in here fast and furious. I want to get a few to, a few of those uh, kind of addressed. Uh, the first up is from Bayou Wino from New Orleans. Louisiana, And it says, Stu, you are a tour de force when it comes to wine. We, we love you down here in the bayou. Let us know when you're coming to town, and we will show you where to find great wine in New Orleans. My question for Anthony is, what are the challenges you face exporting your wines to different countries? And then it says, thanks, and I'll look, I'll look for your TV appearances next month. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you for the question, Bayou Wino. And uh, Anthony?
1: Uh well I guess the challenge is to uh, I suppose to to retain a premium um image I suppose of of the brand um and getting to, getting our brand out there I suppose is obviously with Kim and Erica when they first started the brand they focused quite a lot on on America um and sure. Canada and so that's been a, a big market for us so, but there's still an amazing amount of people, obviously, over there that haven't heard of Kim Crawford wines, and have never probably tried a, a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. So, I suppose what that would probably be the biggest challenge is just getting people to to try something different that's outside sure. their their norm. And um, and you know, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is pretty much you know outside of a lot of people's norms. Yeah,
0: no, it's very very true. I guess that 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 really. You know,
1: kind of answers the idea of just
0: getting more so getting the, the word out in the marketing aspect of it than it is really uh, the the actual physical exporting part because you know that, yeah that, yeah that, you know that kind of, that kind of is it that's a process just happens you know once you get it going and once you you're with somebody that you're utilizing for it it you know it almost goes by itself you know um, next one is from Orly eight 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 from Geneva Switzerland. And it says, hey, Stu, great show uh, you have here. I just started listening last month. I told all my friends about you, and we are learning a lot about wine. My question for Anthony is, let me read this. Oh, how do you decide which grape varietal to plant? Uh, Is it a consensus between you and the other viniculturists? And then it says, thanks, Stu. Be be well. Cheers to you both. Well, I want to thank Orly888 from Geneva, Switzerland, for your question. And uh, Anthony, your answer?
1: Well, I guess it's a. We we generally will look at look at the land that we've got, and and pretty much just see what what suits that clim- what what suits the climate and and the microclimate there. Um, Sauvignon Blanc is a pretty pretty easy grape to grow. It grows in most places, and it likes to have a fairly fairly fertile soil and um, Likes to be likes to be kept healthy, I suppose. So, generally, when we're looking for sites for the for to plant Sauvignon Blanc, we're we're looking for good, nice soils, deep sort of soils, um, good access to water, and um, yeah. So that's probably the main things with that. So generally, I guess we when we're we're looking more for the land. Uh, to plant the the grape on, rather than looking having the land first and then planting a grape variety on there. Right. Generally, yeah. So, so generally a, our aim is to to find the to find a, a perfect patch of land for a Sauvignon Blanc, for instance. Right. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yep.
0: Um, yep. I'm going to go back to some tweeted questions here. Chris Chislet from Tampa, Florida, tweeted: What is Kim Crawford doing to differentiate themselves? from the ocean of New Zealand Saint Blancs that is currently on the market. Good question. Mm. Thanks Chris. Uh
1: well we're just keeping the keeping the quality up as uh, is probably the main thing that we do. We're um you know it's a it's a super premium product in our minds and um we're yeah basically just aiming to to keep that quality as, as much as possible and produce uh one that I guess has a range of flavors that's probably the other other thing that we we aim for at Kim Crawford um you know we like to have some of that tropical fruit characters in there some passion fruit uh a bit of citrus and then also the grassy style um so basically it it's quite a quite a range of flavors that appeals to a lot of people
0: Right. Yeah, and, and I have to say, I mean, the the beauty of it is that you take the grape varietals that are. there's plenty of New Zealand uh winemakers out there and uh who are making Sauvignon Blanc, who are making Pinot Noir, but I have to say that's the key thing. So Chris, just so you know, that's what they're doing. It's they're doing it well. It's taking a couple of different types of wine varieties, not not 20 and 30 and not 50, but a handful of them and doing them right. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, Dean's Guide from San Rafael, California tweeted, any plans to
1: woo China's booming market? <laughs> um it's i guess it's a work in progress there's a few there has been a few sort of forays into that market with other other wine brands and it's it's a hard one i guess there's a lot of i know the australians are trying to focus quite a lot on on sending wine over there and sure. obviously with the with the number of people that are over there it's a potentially it's a huge market so so it's definitely something that hasn't um we haven't overlooked, but at the moment, you know, we we're still focusing really, I guess, on on the states and Canada. Um right. and that's where we're seeing quite a lot of our growth still. And I was
0: gonna say, is that the bulk of your market for the most part?
1: Yes, yeah, yep. Yep. Right. I think um I think the states are probably around about seventy percent of our market or something wow. like that.
0: Well, interesting. And, and and you know, it's funny because we were just talking about the question that came from about China, and I now have an email. <laughs> Somebody in China was listening because they just emailed the question. <laughs> uh, the next one is from Chu Lin 11 from Hong Kong, and it says, Great show, Stu. I really enjoy each week the guests you have on. My question for Anthony is, who were your major influences while first starting in the wine industry? Thanks, Stu, and I hope you come to Hong Kong soon. Okay, well, I'll answer that. Uh, as soon as I can get the plane, I'm coming. To... Honey, <laughs> uh-huh. Ellie. Yeah, the question was, who was your wine? Your your uh, influences? Your your oh, you yeah, original. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. Um, my main influences, I suppose, when I first started were were in the Yarra Valley. Um, I worked at a, a small winery um, called Terra which produced some excellent uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And um, it, the winemaker there was Martin William, Williams at the time, and he has become a uh, he was one of Australia's first Masters of Wine. And he was really just passionate about about wine, and and used such a huge amount from all over the world, that I was, I was amazed, really. So he was probably my first uh, mentor, I suppose. Right. And then moving to New Zealand, um, I got to work. I was lucky lucky enough when I first moved over. I was the Kim Crawford was being made at a contract winemaking facility at the time, and I there was about five or six other other winemakers. Um, making their wine at that place. So it was quite a quite a hub I suppose for for New Zealand winemakers and some of some of the best wines that uh New Zealand produce produces were made by these people. Um uh there was uh Saint Clair winery. Sure. Um who else was there? AstroLab, which are quite big in the UK um Simon Waghorn and and then obviously Kim Crawford himself and uh, Jules Taylor as well. So they really, it was just a, at that stage, it was just a great uh, melting pot, I suppose, of of winemakers, all with great experience and um, with, the, with New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. And it was just an excellent chance for me to learn, I suppose, how they do things and why they do things. And, and it is. What are your um, thoughts?
0: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: Oh, no,
0: you're right. so up. So what are your thoughts on, on corks, cork versus screw cap? I mean, because I know that you guys, you know, do a, a fair amount of screw cap, and uh, but I just wanted to get your, your feelings on it, one versus
1: the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we're actually 100% screw cap now um, and we have been for probably the last ooh, almost 10 years now, I'd say. So... Yeah, you know, screw caps, they really suit suit the wine that we're trying to make here, which we're making some, um, you know, new world, very fruit-forward style of wine, and we're not wanting to lose that, that fruit character by the wine developing too much. So, I guess, for depending on the wine style, I suppose it, depend, it depends on what closure you want to put in there. Um, I definitely see that there's... Going to be a big merit for, or still, you know, continued use of cork and, um, and that'll always be, but you know, screw cap, really for the style of wine that that New Zealand and a lot of the New World varieties are making, um, is ideal. Yeah, and I and I and I see it as such. I and mean, it definitely is. And
0: you know, the thing is, is like I don't think the verdict is out yet in response to um, bottle aging with screw caps. I mean I think it's going to be a while before we really have any type of uh data hard data on yeah.
1: that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well the um Australian Australian Wine Research Institute has done a study and that that's probably almost 10 years old now and bottling they bottled uh the same wine under a whole heap of different closures, you know, from traditional cork to the synthetics to uh, um to screw caps. And and yeah, they've had some pretty interesting results with that. Um, so there, there's starting to be some some data, but I think it's going to be a long way to go before right. you know, before we get anything anything hard. Yeah, sure. Um, tweeted from Hello Vino
0: from north of Boston, and it says, "Does Anthony consider his wines food friendly, or should they be enjoyed on their own?" I kind of think I know the answer to that, but
1: uh. <laughs> uh, no, definitely with food. Yeah, it's a um, it's a it's a variety, I suppose, that is very very vibrant. Like I said before, and um, and you know, food just goes really well with it. So, I'd, when you're looking to to pair it, I, I guess seafood is probably the obvious choice that you'd you'd want to match this this wine to.
0: Right, you can match it to... Um, I mean, Sauvignon Blanc is, is extremely uh, versatile.
1: Yes, it is, yeah. Yep.
0: Without a doubt. Um, and then he follows up with, um, why the change to unoaked oaked between the 2007 and 2008 vintages?
1: Uh, un-oaked Chardonnay, I, is he talking about? Yes. 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 Uh, well, actually, no, there hasn't... We've always done an unoaked Chardonnay. So pretty much right from the start when was actually one of the first wines that um Kim produced under the Kim Crawford uh label was an unoaked Chardonnay. And that's continued right the way through. So we have we also do produce oat Chardonnays. Um and each year that varies depending on on our um on the different batches that we get and, and what region we want to uh source our grapes from for the oat Chardonnay. So right. there's always yeah there's always an unoaked and there's always generally there's always an oaked as well.
0: I think I think that was maybe the confusion on their part as far as uh, being, both being available. Maybe they had just seen one and not known. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> About the winery at the vineyard, are there any upcoming events? or news about your wines that you want to impart to my listeners and let them know about?
1: Uh, well, I guess probably the for the people listening in the United States, we've the 2010 Sauvignon Blanc has been rolled out over there at the moment. So we've been bottling it since, um, uh, I guess, August. That was our right. first bottling. And so, yeah, they should be seeing that either on the shelves now or definitely in the very near future. So keep an eye out for that.
0: And the any events?
1: Um, not that I'm aware of, actually, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what I'm going to tell everyone listening worldwide, as I mentioned at the top, to go to www.kimcrawfordwines.com and that should take you directly to the site, give you an idea. One, you can find out more about Anthony um, and, you know, his uh, – a lot of his philosophies, things that, you know, other things that, uh, and that you may not know. In addition to that, uh, you can also find out about the history and the wines uh, and look up – and then the one thing I always say, which is an amazing thing to me as the advent of the Internet, is that you can sip some wine while you're buying some wine. That, to me, is an amazing <laughs> an amazing thing that has happened over the course of time because, you, know, uh, you know, the only time that was possible was when you were, you know, in the store, you know, and uh, and, and maybe, you know, someone's giving yeah. you a t- t- tasting and you're going, yeah, mm, I don't know, maybe, yeah, okay. You know, or nah, to get it. But here, you know, now you can just kind of now you can kind of browse around and 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 pick out wines and join a wine club with with Kim Crawford wines. I mean, there's a lot of great things that you can do. The interactivity of of uh, the the internet is is wonderful for the wine business. And I would imagine that that brings up a question I was going to ask you. So, what percentage of uh, social media do you guys uh, take part in? That's one part. And the other question is, um, do you know? approximately I mean obviously not hard numbers, but approximately what kind of uh sales you do via the the Internet?
1: Um yeah, well actually uh we're focusing quite strongly on um on the digital media and, and the internet uh for our for the Kim Crawford wines, uh, if actually I should mention that our Facebook page that generally has pretty good updates on on upcoming events in local areas and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, and obviously it's becoming a pretty important part of of the wine industry and getting getting your brand out there. So, and it's such an easy way to find out information about wine and wineries. So, in terms of Wine sales via the internet. I'm not too sure on that. I couldn't. I wouldn't think it'd be a great deal at this stage, um, right. given the fact that we are so or fairly widely available around the world, yeah, at, in stores and that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, definitely in terms of getting our brand out there, um, the internet and and that is becoming more and more important for us. So, and it's a great uh, tool, really. Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: I have, to, I have to say it's it's pretty amazing,
1: uh, the variety
0: of different websites, uh, social networking media. I, I, I also talked at the top of the show, and something that I've Ooh. enjoyed, um, and just new to it, in fact, is Twitter. Twitter is pretty amazing to be able to uh, bring together uh, you, the winemaker, with the... Uh, the consumer, the end user, or yeah. you the winemaker with uh your importer, you the winemaker with your exporter, your distributors, uh anybody in the channel, in the chain. And it's uh you know, it's it's pretty amazing that instantaneous uh that you can get. You know, or I mean the amazing thing is it's like someone can say, like I'll give you an example. One of the people that, that you know who Tweeted a question, you know, it's letting me know I'm listening right now to you, you know, and what's nice is I can then tell them which I have. Hey, I read your question, uh, you know, and what'd you think of the answer? And you, you see what I'm saying? So I, I, what I love about it is is that immediacy, um, which you didn't have before, and the other thing is that being able to get that that um, bridging that that kind of gap between you, let's say, and the end user, getting that immediate. Uh, response as, hey, I tried your wine, I was in, you know, Chicago or I was in Switzerland or I was in Hong Kong and I had your wine and it was phenomenal and uh, it goes great with this. I don't know if anybody knows that, but I want to let you know it goes great with chicken. So, you know, and here's a recipe <laughs> and here's the here's yeah. the wine bottle and here's me at the restaurant <laughs> having it. You know what I mean? It's just amazing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm 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 never I, I never Uh the companies that are getting on board that are doing it and, and doing it right marketing wise are, are re- really reaping the benefits from it and you're you know opening up to a whole new market. So the other thing I was gonna ask you was um what do you like to do when you're not making wine? On your off time.
1: Uh yeah, well I I have two little kids, so that generally keeps me pretty busy. Um got a little three year old and a one year old, so so that, okay. that takes up most of my time. Um, sure. Yeah, but apart from that, I'm a pretty keen tennis player, so I play play a reasonable amount of tennis, and and then also, uh, being in New Zealand, uh, the ocean is a pretty important part of of most people's lives here. So we're fairly pretty close to the coast and to the Marlborough Sounds, which sure. um, are just a beautiful area, and there's great um, great fishing and water skiing and diving as well. So so ideally when I can, I try and get out there as as
0: possible. That's great. That's nice.
1: It kind of almost sounds a little bit,
0: you know, like California without the uh, surfing. Yeah. And without the people as well. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's surfing, but they're, they're fishing, they're, they're water skiing, <laughs> yeah. they're, you know, they're picnicking, you know, yep. drinking wine yep. on the beach.
1: Yeah, <laughs> almost <exactly>. everything. Yep.
0: <laughs> I, you know that, I have to tell you, it's, it's, one reason, it's one region for me, the wine, wine producing region, that uh, I have yet to get to, uh, but have on the top of my list of places to go, because um, it's just, you know, you can read about it, you can experience the wines, um, I can talk with you, the winemakers, but there's nothing like being in the vineyard at the winery uh, on the beach, you know, experiencing yep. everything that's indigenous to the culture, and uh, you know that's. Uh, and I urge everyone, you know, just so you know, Anthony, that everyone listening, people listening, are listening worldwide. So when we talk and, and we talk about you know different places and different things, uh, and I say, hey, you really should get, if you're anywhere in New Zealand or you're having planning a trip, you have to get to uh, to Kim Crawford to check it out. Uh, there are people that are listening. will be doing that. <laughs> So <laughs> oh, really when I good. say that Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a wonderful thing That's the other part of the internet Which is great Is that, you know, you can You know, you can kind of di- Direct people and, and then the juice is flowing And then seeing how beautiful New Zealand is And then hearing you and I talk It it gets people motivated uh, And if they're thinking of mm. making a trip Now that You know, now they're thinking of making the trip even more Yeah, So yeah, definitely um, mm. Yep yeah, so, so I, I I guess what I wanted to, to, to find out about is, is so uh, the region is so rich with so many different winemakers, um, so is it similar to, and I know you've worked in California before, you had mentioned, right? Um, you know how California, being wine country here in the States, uh, there seems to be a What wines do you like in addition to your own? You know, and I say this to, to a California winemaker, oh they're like, Oh, did you ever try this or did you ever try that? And they, they come out with other winemakers because there isn't a feeling of necessarily competition per se. Um, you know, everybody wants to make great wine and that's really what it comes down to. It's almost communal in that everyone works together yeah. and uh
1: So is it the same in New Zealand? It is actually, yeah. And it's it's the same in pretty much all the wine regions I've worked in, I've never come across too much competition between, you know, the one winery and the one next door. So right. everyone everyone likes to share their ideas and um, and share their wines. We, you know, here in Marlborough, we try and get together with other winemakers as much as possible. And, you know, once the, the current release has been made, um, you know, we'll, Put put together everyone's wines on a table and and taste them all and um and it just gives you a good opportunity to, I suppose to to see what other people are doing you know in your sure. region and and everyone's you know more than happy to talk about their wine um you know they it's very rare to meet a winemaker that wants to keep secrets or you know wants to um doesn't want to tell you about their wine so so that's one I guess that's one of the uh, Amazing things about the wine industry, you know, over the throughout the world is is how much people are willing to share between companies. Most definitely,
0: you know, the more I talk with winemakers from around the world, the more I hear that, which is a yeah. very nice. Um, it's it's a great thing. It's a great attribute of winemakers, I think, and it's, uh, you know, it's not found, you don't really find that in other industries. So, you know, I think other industries can kind of take a chapter from the book of winemaking and, uh, and learn definitely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So do you, uh, I was going to ask you, so you've traveled, are there, uh, are there regions that, that intrigue you? Are there wines that intrigue you as far as, what Kim Crawford's looking at maybe adding into the mix of wines that they're going to be offering in the future.
1: Uh yeah, well, you know, we're always looking for, for new varieties to, to see what's around. Um and I guess we Pinot Gris is probably one that we've we've focused fairly strongly on in the last five or so years and we're actually one of I think we are New Zealand's biggest producer of Pinot Gris, so that's something that um, you know we're working on stylistically wise to try and try and produce the best we can out of that. Um, sure. And then, yeah, um, obviously there's quite a few smaller varieties out there that are you know there's a uh, an abundance I suppose of of other varieties out there that that could do well here in New Zealand, um, but it's it's going to take time, I suppose. We're still a pretty young industry over here. So right. um, just to try and to see what works and, and what doesn't. And, um, yeah, it's always going to be a work in progress.
0: Yeah, and, and I was going to say, I mean, obviously there's also blends. I mean, you you have enough varietals that you could certainly do blends. Like I'll give you an example. Um, a, a surprise to me at, many years back in going through uh, um, Napa was I had gone to cake bread, and for the life of me, I couldn't remember anyone that I knew of that blended Pinot Noir as the major uh, grape varietal and then added in you know two or three other grape varietals in lesser quantities or lesser percentages. And they made this Rubiat, and I tried it, and I thought to myself, this is a great idea. Why doesn't anyone in the other regions where they produce Pinot Noir and, you know, um, and, and make a good Pinot Noir not consider doing the same? Um, and I don't think anyone is for some reason. I don't find it anywhere else. And I, I certainly, New Zealand, um, where you guys make great Pinot Noir, um, that would be, certainly be a, a, a way to go. And, and, and it's just a thought, I'm just throwing it out at you, and want to get your thought or an opinion on it.
1: Yeah, yep, yeah. Well, there's definitely potential for for a different blends, um, and we're always looking around to do do new things. We've got a um, I think it's only available domestic or here in New Zealand but we've done a Pinot Gris or Sauvignon Blanc Pinot Gris blend this year and um, in terms of reds we haven't really looked into it. We're, um, I guess Pinot Noir is, is our main variety that we've got here so there's not too much else that's planted that we can blend it with in reality. Right. Um, but, you know, it's something that we're not definitely not against um blends i think you know a lot of times some people think that a a blended wine is of lesser quality but quite often you can just add a couple more layers of flavor in there by by blending if you're smart with it blending something else in there and and produce a better wine
0: yes in fact that's that's my thought on it i think it used to be that way i was talking it's funny um i think i mentioned um at the top of the show uh, there's a, a show on CNBC called Wine Portfolio, and uh, it's a global show. It's on CNBC World uh, in many, many markets all over the world. And I, I just shot it, and I was talking with the host, actually Jody Ness, about exactly that, which is that unfortunately, it it used to be the thought, and I think maybe fortunately now it's changed in people's minds, because have, some amazing blends have been made over the course of time. But uh, it used to be thought, like you said, that that people who are blending will make a blend of it, and you know. But now I think it's kind of been the flip side, that people kind of seeking out uh, good blends, um, you know, not unlike Bordeaux blends that uh, you know in France that are and uh, now you know you find them here on the uh in the states um, you know meritages and and uh you know just about anywhere so uh it's, you know, it's a interesting concept and i think that uh i think uh, when done right not unlike any other wine when done right uh you know you like you said there's a lot of other uh complexities and and characteristics that come out in the wine and that you can you know you can get you can get a much better tasting wine and a much better uh more interesting wine We only have a couple more minutes, so what I want to do is I'm going to ask you one question that I ask everybody. I don't ask the same question twice on my show, uh, so it's unique to every winemaker, but this is one that I do. I made a tradition of it. So if you could have any wine, uh, let's just say, is there a wine that you are seeking out that you tried before and knocked your socks off, or one that you've never tried but you want that you're seeking out?
1: (laughs) Um, probably one of the most memorable wines, I suppose, that I've tried would have been a, I think it probably would have been a, a 80, uh, I think it was an 88 um, Mount Adam Chardonnay from the Adelaide Hills in nice. um, South Australia. And uh, that was, that was sort of when I was just Starting out in the wine industry and and that wine for some reason really sticks in my mind as a um as just a great wine i suppose and and had a lot of it was quite a a big Australian wine it had a lot of buttery characteristics and oakiness in there and sure. um and yeah, just really stuck in my mind i suppose and I haven't actually been able to find a bottle since, so if anyone's got one out there and wants to send one to me <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what you,
0: what you wish for, I'm telling you. Yeah. you put it <laughs> yeah. out there, look at bottle. So where someone at least tell you, they'll email you and they'll tell you, I got one. But I've been trying to sell this thing for a long time. I'm glad I, I listened to the show, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for coming on the show, uh, it's very enjoyable. I, you know, I have a million more questions I want to ask, so I'm definitely going to have you on anthony again in the future uh um, there's a lot more questions that uh that i i want to have answers for for my listeners uh but i wanted just you know a gentleman and a scholar and uh i really appreciate uh you coming
1: on cool well thanks for having me and thanks for all the great questions
0: oh no no problem and and thank and thank the listeners because they came up with some great questions as well yeah yeah definitely uh so listen be well uh, and keep doing what you're doing as well as
1: you're doing it because
0: <laughs> the world is really benefiting from it.
1: Yeah, yeah I will.
0: <laughs> thanks again, Anthony. Okay, thanks, G. Take care. So that was Anthony Walkenhorst. The winemaker for Kim Crawford Wines in New Zealand. Um, that's the show for tonight. I want to thank everyone who listened in and emailed and tweeted questions. I also especially want to thank Anthony Walkenhorst for coming on and telling us about his amazing wines. As always, if you have any questions about the show, you can email them to me at info at com. You can go to my website as well at com and click on the link for all my wine articles, videos, and you can listen to archived wine talk shows. You can tweet me questions at StuTheWineGuru the Wine Guru on Twitter anytime from me or my guests and I'll get answers for you. And as I always say, if it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Stew the Wine Guru. Drink up, good night, and good wine.